American Craftsman podcast is sponsored by Hayfla. Hayfla offers a wide range of products and solutions for the woodworking and furniture making industries. From hinges and drawer slides to connectors and dowels, sandpaper, wood glue, shop carts, and everything in between. Exclusive product lines such as Lux LED lighting and Slido door hardware ensure that every project you create is built to last. Learn more at Hayfla.com. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, back <laughs> better than ever. Yeah, it's um, 73 degrees outside right now. It's 6.58 a.m. And it's probably 83 degrees inside this office. <laughs> That's conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, figured we better get... Oh, shooting coffee. Um, better get this podcast recorded before it gets too hot in here. It gets hot. Yeah, the office is probably, I don't know, what would you say, five, ten degrees warmer than the shop? Yeah, we should put in like, uh, the problem is with dust. Oh, like some Clara story? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. A, I don't know, some kind of fresh air intake from the outside. Yeah, we got that beautiful window. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Last week we had John on and that was, uh, I think that was on Wednesday, wasn't it? Um, yes. Got some good feedback on that episode. Oh yeah. People liked it. Well, John's always a good guest. Yeah. I guess people like, uh, controversy. (laughs) That's what John always tells us. (laughs) That's right. I'm just remembering now the last episode. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So uh, that that following morning on Thursday, we uh, we went out to Jersey City and uh, delivered that 43 foot banquet that we've had in the shop for uh, several months now. Seems like longer than a week ago now, doesn't it? That was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um. We uh, built that. It was like cold out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like dead of winter. We've had that for a while. But luckily, you know, we had it stacked up. It wasn't taking up too much space. But, um, you know, got to shoot the shit with Jim a little bit. Talked him into uh, coming down and coming on the podcast. That'll be another interesting episode. Yeah, I'll have to um, firm up a date with him. Also, still need to get our buddy uh, Tommy G. That's right, and Joe, I guess. Yeah, that'd be a good. Uh, that'd be a good episode. Dynamic, yeah. Um, yeah, got to follow up with him too. But yeah, so we delivered those banquets, and um, and then we had to go over to the sister restaurant, um, Dull Boy. Uh, what was that? No, no was that- I thought it was Doughboy. Oh, I always thought it was Dull Boy. Mm. <laughs> Let me see. Cause, or maybe it is Dull Boy. But the other one's Jane Doe. Uh, oh, no. It, yeah, it is Dull Boy. It's Dull Boy and Jane Doe. But Doe with D-O-U-G-H. Huh. Yeah. So it seemed it would make more sense if it was Dull Boy. That's, yeah, that's what made me think that. Chill brick-walled bar serving unique takes on classic American dishes plus an array of cocktails. 364 Grove Street, Jersey City. Um, so, basically, we built a 16-foot version. Initially, we built a 16-foot banquette for Dull Boy, um, and the 43-foot banquette is essentially the exact same thing, just a lot bigger. Um, actually has L's on the ends. Whereas yeah. this one, um, it had one arm, arm? just arms, oh, no, um, arms. Um, but man, I mean, Jim and Robert and everybody over there, they did such a good job. They, they I mean, they just, look, they make magic, don't they? So good. Those channel backs. I mean, he, yeah. Jim told me how much work they are and it, it certainly looks like they're a lot of work. 
Um, so that's what they'll be doing with the 43 foot is the, it'll look exactly the same. I'm not sure about the colorway, but um, a 43 foot long with, I think they're three or four foot L's. So we're talking close to 50 linear feet of channel back banquette. That'll take some time. Yeah. Um, anyway, at Dull Boy, we, um, we had used these legs. These, they wanted 10-inch legs, um, which is sort of a weird height. You know, there's, you can find 6-inch, 8-inch. I feel like even 12-inch is, you know, 10 inches is a weird size for furniture. Um, so there's not like a lot of availability for many reputable brands. Um, so we bought all these legs off of Amazon. And they were just total shit. They were metal, but really thin. It was like, yeah, like uh, two two soda can thickness. <laughs> the only thing holding two, them, one and a half. <laughs> yeah, the only thing holding them together is just like the tensile strength of a of a of a cylinder. You know, um, they had it was so it was like a a hollow tube, two inch diameter tube, and then they had a small. Uh, not small, but a thin plate welded in the top with a tapped hole. And then the base was just a, a three by three piece of metal with a, with a piece of thread sticking out and, you know, they screwed on. Um, so we even took blocks and drilled a two inch hole and slid them over the leg and screwed them down to give it some more rigidity. But they, I mean, they just failed yeah. um, miserably. Uh, so what we did on the 43 foot, is we use the um, Hafla XLO. Um, they have one that's like eight, eight inches. And we actually put it on a, a one and a half inch thick. Riser. Like a, yeah, like a rail. Um, so that's how we made up, made up the difference. They're eight and they're adjustable. And, you know, just altered the dimensions of the 43 foot slightly, made the base thicker. Um, to make up that additional height. So, yeah, those will do the trick. Yeah. So what we did is we made we made some um some of those same. Well, yeah, we didn't do the the inch and a half thing on the forty three foot because we were able to just change the dimensions of the of the actual banquette. But that's what we did for this one. We made four, um, like eight foot long by inch and a half thick rails attach the axillo. Um, plates or whatever you want to call them, the mounting mounting holes to that, and just took the legs off, screwed those into the bottom of the banquette, and and stood it up. Yeah, those so, are those are good for a commercial um, environment too. You know, they're like 100% ABS. There's no, there's not going to be any rusting. You know, you, they can mop right up to them. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> you think instantly mopping? They still mm-hmm. mop, right? I hope. <laughs> I didn't know if that was something that went out with us. Yeah, usually it was like uh, the dishwasher was the guy that had to mop. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you take that dirty mop and swab it all around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's filthy within the first thirty seconds of use. Yeah, it's like dark gray. Oof. <laughs> yeah, you got the ringer on the on, on the, the bucket. bucket. Yeah, yep. yeah, those were the days. That yellow bucket. Yep. On the wheels, mm-hmm. you put the the mop in it and you drive it around with the handle yeah. of the mop. Oh man, there's some things that you can reminisce pleasantly about, but that's not one of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not, I'm not a huge fan of mopping. It's because it's one of those things where you know when the water gets dirty, you're like, "What the hell am I even doing this for?" Yeah, you're spreading that dirty water around. Yeah. Um. So on the way, actually, on the way out there. Got a text from Lou, the painter. So Lou's still been here painting, you know, been fighting the weather and everything. Um, if if he had clear weather, it would have been like a one-week one, one week job, just like start to finish. But um, had all these days of rain and then days where he would start and then it would start raining. So um, unfortunately, he's been having a hell of a time, you know, with the weather. And now it's like blazing hot outside, so he's got yeah. that. But we get a text and... Uh, He's like, man, somebody tagged up the building last night. I'm like, fuck. So he sent a video. There was like five different spots on the side of the building. You know, the front of the building's on Main Street, and then the the one side is on a cross street. Um, the other side is 
and the back are bordered by uh, houses. So like five spots, blue paint. Um, they what they write La Plaga. Yeah, is uh, the cop was telling us that's like a character from a video game or something like that. That's what Lou was saying. It's also some like uh, Colombian BMX biker kind of thing, um, which seems more likely because I I looked into it myself too, and the the video game thing seemed kind of more obscure. Um, uh, what the hell was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So I look on the cameras and I see, you know, it was like 2.37 or 2.27 that morning. Three kids. Like kids. <laughs> I mean, the one kid right. looked like he could have been 10 <clears throat> or, or 12. Um, you know, and it was like a minute start to finish. They, you know, they pop up on the camera. There's like a car going by. They're hiding behind our neighbor, Mikhail's truck. And then, uh, you know, tag the building and leave. So, you know, whatever, we get back and uh, call the cops just because, you know, it's not our building. We have to document anything, anything like this that happens. You know, it's it's our responsibility to make sure that it's documented just to cover our own ass, cover the landlord's ass. You know what I mean? Um, and by that point, Lou had already he hadn't painted anything on that side yet. Um, so he was, he was able spot to prime. Yeah, he was able to spot prime over those spots. Um so, yeah, you know, gave the video to the cops, whatever. Um, you know, they said they'd try and they'd pass the video around, try and see if they could recognize the kids, but um, nothing so far. But then I came in on Sunday for a little bit to work, well, for a little bit, I worked the whole day, to work on my kitchen, and, um, and I found some more stuff out there. Same blue color, um, but this time just like random scribbles on the wall. So, you know, again, I called the cops just so that they could, you know, keep a record of it. And nothing since then. No. But just, you know, stupid kids being stupid. Yeah. It's going to be infuriating when they when we get the color on there. And if they come by. Yeah, well, I'm going to wait on the roof at that point. <laughs> With a bucket of hot tar. Something. <laughs> I think that's what they used to do. <laughs> hot oil over the tar over the ramparts. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, go medieval on them. Yeah. You know, I get it. Being a kid, you do bad things and stupid things, but listen, we're over here paying an exorbitant rent just trying to make a living. Mm-hmm. Go go fuck with somebody else. Yeah. Go tag the barbershop. <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever. Go to uh, Dunkin' Donuts. and Well, our landlord owns that too. But <laughs> some corporate, you know, place. Let them deal with it. Yeah. Bank of America. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty bad. Um, and on top of that, you know... Um, <laughs> So, what was it? I guess when we were leaving, or at some point in the drive, got an email from PNC. It's like, oh, oh yeah, um, call us immediately. I'm like, oh, okay, what the fuck? So call them, and uh, they're like, yeah, did uh, we have some suspicious charges here? Did you charge six hundred and forty eight dollars to Summit Bike? I'm like, uh, no. Um, what about $422 to Target? Yeah, no. So somehow somebody got our credit card information, charged up, you know, they said neither of them went through, but tried to charge like a thousand bucks on the card. So I had to freeze the card. And um, I actually, I, bet I have to go on and check and make sure that they didn't go through. Um, but yeah, waiting on a new new credit card. Yeah, that was that was happening to me for a while uh, with my American Express. Must have been like one of the things that uh, is like an auto pay kind of thing mm-hmm. because it was like three cards in a row. Huh. That you know that I had to get changed out every couple of months. That's crazy. That they would be able to get the new number. Yeah, that's why I was thinking it must have been attached to like a subscription. 
service and it was like an inside job. Well, can they do that? They wouldn't be able to get your new, they wouldn't be able to get your new information unless you give it to them. Yeah. Like let's say it was somebody at Pete's coffee. Oh, oh. yeah. I don't know how, oh, well, you I don't know. know if that stuff's encrypted on the other end. Yeah. I mean, cause I just had to do that. Um, what do they call it? I forget. Uh, basically, if you handle credit cards, um, like our quick, we do, we, we offer credit card payments through QuickBooks depending on the, on the job. Um, so we have to be whatever. It's like a three letter abbreviation, C, CCS certified or whatever. Um, uh, EP something, electronic EPS maybe, electronic payment services, something like that. Um, like if you, we don't retain any of that information. It all goes through QuickBooks. We never even see, we might see the last four digits of the credit mm. card. I think maybe that's it. But um, yeah, like that stuff's pretty strict. You know, like with just some regular peon at Pete's, is, there's no way that they'd be able to get. I'll tell you how old I am. When I, I used to have one of those machines. Oh, the, the sideways <laughs> thing? <laughs> I honestly don't even know how those would work. <laughs> Somebody's got to physically give you the card and you put it over on and that it the just receipt, takes a carbon. Yeah. It had like carbon paper. And then you got to call in the charges. Yeah, uh, yeah. 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 Wow. I do remember those being around like, you know, when I was very young. See when those. Yeah. And I had like my own little metal plate, you know, Said like Barone Woodwork on it or something like that. When did physical credit cards uh, card machines end? Late nineties. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, I guess it makes sense because that's when uh, that's when I had it. Credit card imprinter, it was called. Ah. Zip zap machine, click clack machine, or knuckle buster. These devices were used from the advent of payment cards oh, until the 1980s when electronic payment terminals started to replace them. However, they continued to be used well into the 2000s for places where network access was difficult, such as mobile locations like taxis and airplanes, or as a backup system in case of payment terminal failure. Yeah. I never actually took a credit card payment. No? No. Because I, I even went into, I had the electronic thing too. Like It was like Square, one of those first yeah, ones. Yeah. You plug it in your phone. Anytime you go to PNC, they're like trying to sell us on their, their system. point of sale thing. <laughs> it's like, listen, we use QuickBooks. Like, well, what are the rate? I'm like, I don't care what the percentage is. <clears throat> you know, we only take so many payments. It's not like we're taking... I mean, how many payments do we get in a year? Right. 50? 100? Yeah, I was going to say, if it's one a week, it's a lot. Yeah. Shit, I wish. Um, so, yeah, I had to, had to do that, get that frozen, and actually still waiting on, on a new card. Should be here soon. Um, but, yeah, I had to switch everything over. Got, like, a plethora of emails. Like, your payment was declined. Because, <laughs> you know, I got the utilities, you know, the dumpster, all that stuff is on the credit card. So now it's it's moved over to the debit card. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. It's got to go through and re-up all your, those numbers. Yeah, I just wait for them to tell me. If they want their money, they can... Uh, they can ask exactly. nicely. So, um, got Stan coming by today from Level Home Improvement. He's got some, uh, some drawer fronts to edge band. That's cool. Yeah. Our first uh, non-home-based uh, uh, edge banding project. Yeah. Right? Uh, Did we do something for somebody else? Mm, I don't think so. Not that I can remember. But Stan, uh, I think he's been in the market for an edge band or two. So I think um, 
that's probably part of the reason he wants to come down is to check out check out the Sahisa and uh, you know see what it's all about. I think, I think he'll I think he'll like it. Yeah, I think he's been looking at a Flexi P. Mm, a little bit is, smaller footprint, right? Yeah, yeah. I think he's tight on space. Um, Plus, it's got a cooler name. I don't know. Compact PCS sounds pretty official. The Flex EP. <laughs> yeah. You know, every time I think of something like that, it's like, you know, there was a room full of people brainstorming what they were going to call, call this thing. Like cars. In Spain. Yeah. Uh, let's, what do you, what do you think of the Flex EP? Yeah. Like what does P even, what's the P even stand for? That's like, um. That guy, I was telling you about that comedian. What the hell's his name? Uh, something. This, I feel like the um, one of the um, filters, like the uh, uh, one of the like noise gates. It's it's like chopping out some, uh, some of my stuff. That's, um, that's exactly what it is. It's a gate. Yeah. Like if I go, uh, it must be in that sixty hertz or something. Um, what the hell was I saying? Oh, uh, what's his name? Wang something. I was telling you about it. It's a comedian. We, we, uh, Allie and I watched on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, Sweet and Juicy is the name of the, the special. And um, he does a joke about he's, you know, get, the whole, basically the whole thing's about like getting older. You know, he's probably, I don't know, maybe in his early 40s. Um, and he's like, yeah, you know, my favorite candy bar now is Mounds. <laughs> um, and then he's like, Mounds is a bad name. Uh, he's like, uh, you know, but basically it's the whole joke is to that effect where it's like, there's, you know, a meeting and they were like, yeah, let's call it Mounds. I know. It's like, I mean, you don't even give it a second thought now, but yeah. Um, even names that like, like Kit Kat, mm-hmm. like if we were you know, it's like we got this candy bar, and you said, "What about Kit Kat?" I'm like, eh, it doesn't really make any sense. I mean, why are we gonna call it Kit Kat? Yeah, well, there must be some backstory to, to that, but at least that's unique, and yeah, like there's nothing else called a Kit Kat, like Twix. Um, I could see that, like that's because that's like a just a made up word. I like that. Apparently named after the Kit Kat Club, which got its name from a local pastry chef, Christopher Cat. Catling sources differ on the real surname, who is nicknamed Kit and supplied the club with meat pies that he called Kit Cats. Nineteen eleven. Wow, it's that old the, the Kit that's, Kat bar, or that's yeah, the Kit, originally the trademarked by the Round Trees Company in nineteen eleven. Wow. Yeah. Mutton pies known as Kit Kat were served at meetings of the political Kit Kat Club in London, owned by pastry chef Christopher Cat. Mutton pie. Mm mm. Yeah, I need that. It was originally called Round Trees Chocolate Crisp. But in 1937, the candy bar was renamed as Kit Kat Chocolate Crisp. I like the chocolate crisp. It tells me what I'm in for. Um, I was going to say something. I forget what it was. Oh, he, he said something like, uh, you know, the only, the only, uh, what was it? It's, it, it's the worst trying to retell jokes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like the only worst option would have been piles. <laughs> yeah, he's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's a funny special. Yeah. Let me see what that guy's name is. Sweet. One of my favorites is an old Chris Rock. He talks about being married. Oh, Sheng Wang, sweet and juicy. He's uh, anyone who's ever listened to Mitch Hedberg. He um, there's definitely you can see a lot of influence from Mitch Hedberg. That his, sounds familiar. Yeah, um, he was like uh, long hair, glasses, real like deadpan. Ended up, I think, dying of a heroin overdose. Oh, jeez, Mitch. Yeah, he died in 2005. 
Wow. American stand-up comedian known for his surreal humor and deadpan delivery. Comedy is typically featured short, sometimes on uh, one-line jokes mixed with absurd elements and non-sequiturs. <clears throat> I like the non-sequitur. Edward was found dead in a room at the Westminster Hotel in Livingston, New Jersey. Hmm. His wow. death was formally announced on April 1st, leading some fans to believe it was an April Fool's Day joke. His death was initially believed to be the result of a congenital heart defect, but in December 2005, the New Jersey Medical Examiner's Office reported that he died accidentally as a result of multiple drug toxicity, including cocaine and heroin. Well, well. Stay away from the drugs, kids. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was funny. He's got a huge cult following. How long was he around for? Um, began his stand-up career in Florida. And after a period of honing his skills, he moved to Seattle and began the tour. No wonder he did heroin. Uh, soon appeared on MTV's Kamikaze, followed by a 1996 appearance on The Late Show with David Letterman. Uh, years active, 89 to 2005. Mm. Yeah. So, 16 years. Yeah, Seattle, boy. What a reputation for... Uh... It's all that rain. Yes. I mean... <clears throat> I actually thought about moving to Seattle back in 80, it was probably about 88 or 89. Flew out there, spent a week. Just uh, didn't entice me. Yeah, doesn't seem like uh, I could deal with that weather. Yeah, actually it was pretty nice weather when I, uh, went out there and everybody who lived there kept saying, it's not usually like this. I couldn't tell if they just didn't want me to move there. or yeah. They're like, don't come here. <laughs> but you think about those uh, like bands that came up in the grunge era. Mm-hmm. Kurt Cobain, yep. dead. Soundgarden, Chris Cornell, dead. Yeah. And Lane Staley from Alice in Chains, dead. Was he the singer? Yeah, the three singers. Like the only one that's still alive is Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam. Mm. You never really got into the grunge. No, me either. I although I was big Soundgarden and Alice in Chains fans. Yeah, I mean, I like the so- like the um, you know the songs that were popular, mm-hmm. but I never. I listen to Soundgarden. Um, What's that one album? Super. Super Unknown. Yeah, like I've listened to that album quite a bit, but yeah. Aside from that, Nirvana. I never listen. I don't like Nirvana and I don't like Pearl Jam. Yeah. I would say I I absolutely don't like both those bands. Yeah. Um, I'd say I like Pearl Jam probably a little bit more than Nirvana, but neither of them enough to like actually listen to them on my own. Right. Um, Bad Motor Finger is a good. Soundgarden record. I I got turned on to Soundgarden with their first record. I think it was called Loud Love. Maybe that was like their first like record on like a major release. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, this guy's wailing. He does have, you know, one of the greatest voices. Yeah. He, and I, I just... And Bad I had Motor Finger, 1991, third album. But yeah, well, it's Loud Love. Was that their... Uh, uh, louder than love. Louder than love. Their second album. Yeah, so that's when I that's when I heard them recorded independently. But after they signed with A and M Records in 1989, making them one of the first grunge bands to sign to a major label. Yeah, they've got some some <laughs> weird weird names. <laughs> Ultra Mega Okay. Yeah. Bad Motor Finger. Where's the discography? Sometimes they bury it in these Wikipedia articles. Yeah. I feel like the Wikipedia article used to have a like a table of contents at the top. I think you're right. Oh, maybe I have to click. Yeah, there we go. I got to click that thing now. Ultra Mega OK, 1988. Louder Than Love, 1989. Bad Motor Finger, 1991. Super Unknown, 1994. Down on the Upside, 1996. King Animal, 2012. 
Black Hole Sun, the when I was a kid. Yeah. I loved that music video. Um what other record? Uh Chris Cornell uh was the singer for um that compilation band. Uh not audio audio slave? No, it was um it was before that. It was like a tribute to the guy who was the singer from Mother Love Bone, which was this band that never really got famous uh, that they all cited as an influence temple of the dog temple of the dog yeah i have that cd too that was a pretty good disc american rock supergroup formed in seattle washington in 1990 it was conceived by vocalist chris cornell of soundgarden as a tribute to his friend the late andrew wood lead singer of the band's malfunction malfunction spelled weird and mother love bone Lineup included Stone Gossard on rhythm guitar, Jeff Ament on bass guitar, both ex-members of Mother Love Bone. Mother Love Bone. Pearl Jam guys, I think. Yeah, and later Pearl Jam. Mike McCready, later Pearl Jam on lead guitar, and Matt Cameron, Soundgarden, and later Pearl Jam on drums. Eddie Vedder appeared as a guest to provide some lead and backing vocals and later became lead vocalist of Pearl Jam. So this this band basically created Pearl Jam. Yeah. Um, well... I've definitely seen that pop up Temple of the Dog on uh, on some of the the mixes that get put on. Yeah, I mean, if you like um, Chris Cornell, it's a strong disc. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. I wasn't like I have one or two of his solo records, but not uh, not as like heavy and groove rock as like Soundgarden mm-hmm. is. That's, I, you know me, I'm a sucker for like one of those groups, oh, yeah. like Clutch or whatever. Yeah. Clutch comes on, you know, I'm in the shop doing my thing. All of a sudden the Clutch song comes on and all of a sudden my head starts moving a little bit. Clutch is great. They get a, I feel like they get a bad reputation as like a, I don't know, I've heard it called like dad rock. Dad rock? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm no dad. <laughs> Clutch is an American rock band from Germantown, Maryland. Since its formation in 1991, the band lineup has included Tim Salt, lead guitar, Dan Maines, bass. That poor guy doesn't have his own Wikipedia article. Uh, Jean-Paul Gaster, drums, and Neil Fallon, vocals, rhythm guitar, keyboards. To date, Clutch has released 13 studio albums and several rarities and live albums. Since 2008, the band has been signed to their own record label, record label Weathermaker Music. Yeah, I like Clutch, and um, uh, he puts lyrics in songs that just, like, that's another thing. I'll just be cracking up. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll say something like BMX grips or, or yeah. marine plywood. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's from the same song, actually, too. Yeah. <laughs> Where do these things come from? <laughs> Sunrise on Slaughter Beach. That's their most recent <laughs> album. It's actually, it's a good album. It is. It is. Um see what's the he's got a really good voice too which he doesn't always like sing purposefully i think uh-huh. you know but like on some songs he he lets himself sing as well as he can sing mm-hmm. and i'm like man this guy's got some pipes oh yeah 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 clutch is great yeah that, that's a band that i never heard him until till you started playing them. i'm like Who's that? I I discovered them. Um, like I had always heard the name, but I never listened to them. Um, I may have uh, inadvertently heard some of their music over the years and never, you know, remembered the song or knew who it was by. But um, so I I don't play drums, but I I don't know. I, I like drums, so I subscribe to the Minel, which is a cymbal company, and I think they make other percussion instruments. Um, on YouTube and they do these videos where they'll have a, a drummer, you know, playing drums or whatever. And they had Jean-Paul Gaster playing uh hot bottom feeder, oh, yeah. which is a song about crab cakes. And uh, I was like, uh, actually, no, that wasn't it. It was, uh, I think it was the regulator was the first one I heard. And then, then I heard hot bottom feeder. Anyway, um, I was like, man, this guy's good. Like, you know, they're, it's not super complicated or progressive music, but they're, I mean, they're all like, they're really good at just playing these sort of, um, I don't know, just these solid 
songs. Yeah. Um, so I was like, man, I got to check these guys out. So then I, you know, I started listening to them. And I mean, they're just, if you like rock music, they're just a good rock band. Yeah. Like they don't sound anything at all like ACDC, mm-hmm. but I would put them in, in the same category, like basic rock and roll. That's so simple. It's great. Yeah. Um, and then here I'm seeing two of the Bakerton group, which I'm going to put them on today again. Um, they have That's a, good. Yeah, an instrumental side project, which it's all the same guys. They're calling it an instrumental blues jam band. Um, I, I, I wouldn't tend to agree with that. Um, it's not that bluesy, like no, traditional blues. Like it's when not you think really of it. like a jam band. Yeah. Like when I think jam band, I think like Grateful Dead and Fish. Right. Um, it's nothing like that. It's more jazzy and sort of psychedelic. Yeah, um, it seemed much more focused than a, a jam band. Yeah. Like not super extended solos or anything like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, what's it say here? Bakerton Group focuses on the instrumental talents of its members with songs of a psychedelic, groovy, jazz-infected feel. Yeah. See, that, that's the other thing that kind of jumps out to me is, like, they don't really let out how good they are in Clutch. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very purposeful what it is. Clutch yeah. is, you know, made with this these parameters. Let's see what they say about the lead guitarist, because he's, you know, you look at this guy, he's just like... <laughs> This like middle aged like looks like you yeah because they're not they're not young dudes anymore no 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 they all let's see uh, this doesn't say when he was born Richard Timothy Salt an occasional member of the reggae rock slash stoner rock band Lion Eyes as well as the band Deep Swell. Yeah, those guys all got to be close to my age. Clutch plays an average of 120 shows a year. Wow. Wow. Band is currently on tour as of May 9th, 2023. Hmm. Let's see are they, if they're coming. We Clutch. tried to see them during the pandemic. Yeah, they played in December of 2020. Either 21 or 22. Um, yeah, definitely not clicking on Ticketmaster. <laughs> Scalpmaster. Yeah. Uh, Philly. They're playing on the 23rd. What are they? What kind of venues are they playing? Hmm. Doesn't say. Let's see. Um, like, how are you not coming to New York? I find that crazy. They're going yeah. to D.C. They're going to Pittsburgh. They're going to Philly. Then they just go to Toronto. Skipping over New York. I, gotta go. I guess I have to go and take a master. Oh, it must be Franklin Music Hall. Uh, uh, did you hear that? It's cutting out. So I guess it's a cue for me to stop uh-ing. Pricing and availability are subject to change. General admission. Oh, geez. 70 bucks. General admission. Those are two words that are out of my vocabulary now. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've crossed the threshold into reserve seating for sure. And there's, um, <laughs> there's like two levels, I think. Yeah. That's the cheapest ticket, 70. Yeah. They go up to 157. Oh, man. I bet that's a raucous show. Oh, wait. This is Pittsburgh that I clicked on. That's not what I wanted. I wanted Philly. This is just a, this is just a pit. Uh, <laughs> 63 bucks. Up to yeah. 74. I'm about 40 years too late for that. Yeah. They don't even show that there's like a bar. <laughs> Franklin Music Hall. From what I understand, I think that's a pretty small place. Yeah. That makes me think of the time 
when I was at ASU, when I saw the police with Madness and the Thompson twins opening up for them. Oh, yeah, this is a. Oh. It's just a, in like an old warehouse. We call that a throng of people. <laughs> oh, did it used to be Electric Factory? Because that says Electric Factory. Yeah. I know, you know, I've you know never been there, place. but I know of the Electric yeah. Factory because, you know, growing up listening to like Philly radio stations are always talking about so-and-so this weekend at the Electric Factory. Yeah, not playing in New York. They playing in San Francisco? I, th- I know some venues there. Uh, let's see. D.C., Pittsburgh, Philly, Louisville, or Louisville, uh, Sterling Heights, Michigan, Chicago, Indianapolis, Nashville, St. Paul, Minnesota, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Wichita, Kansas, Denver, Colorado. You're going to Wichita, but you're not going to New York. Portland, Oregon, Boise, Idaho, Salt Lake City, Las Vegas, at the House of Blues. Oh. Uh, Ventura, California. Two times. Ventura Theater. Uh, until August 15th. I don't know what that means. I think that might be a typo. They're probably, I think they're only playing one show. Um, no. Then they go to San Antonio, Tulsa, New Orleans, Fort Lauderdale, St. Petersburg, Atlanta, Myrtle Beach, Charlotte, North Carolina. They got a show in Toronto. On the 25th. Wow. It's, you know, so they must have pockets of um, popularity. Yeah. I mean, they played Starland, so, I mean, it's yeah. a pretty small. I wonder how they figure that out. Like, how do they figure out, like, they can play in Charlotte and not play in Bristol, Connecticut, or something like that? Yeah. I don't know how it works. Do the venues reach out to the bands or vice versa? Or a Usually you have like a, a tour manager and, a you know, somebody puts that together. Mm-hmm. So this place, I was uh, reading about this place uh, recently, and I was supposed to go to a show here probably in, I think I was in middle school. So 2003, and uh no so 2003 I was a freshman so let's say like 2001 2002 I was supposed to go to a a show here with my sister but I ended up getting in trouble for something and I wasn't allowed to go but <laughs> Birch Hill nightclub like if you look at the um whatever the lineups at this place over the years it was insane uh it was a music venue and nightclub in Old Bridge Township New Jersey venue ran into trouble in 2000 after an accidental drowning and drug raids Along with a loss of their liquor license, Birchill was sold in 2003 and is now a housing development. <laughs> Many big-name bands played the venue, including Government Mule, Dio, Scorpions, Hoobastank, Blue Oyster Cult, Cheap Trick, UFO, Iron Maiden, Rainbow, Eve Six, Toadies, Sudzert, and Slayer. Um, but I, I forget how I came about it, but it was like a video of um, System of a Down playing... Mm in like 2001 or so, or maybe 1999. It was like right before they really hit it big. But like, um, this is, this is actually the, uh, the concerts. So let's see, what are some good ones? 2000, October 12th, 2003, Mudvayne, Power Man 5000. Those were pretty big yeah. bands at that time. Um, August 8th, 2003, Edema, Power Man 5000. May nineteenth, two thousand three, Chevelle. That was a, they had a huge hit. Um, I forget what the name of that song was. Uh, March eighth, two thousand three, Papa Roach. They oh. were they were a huge band yeah. at that time. March sixth, two thousand three, Flogging Molly. Heard of them? Yeah. This is the I think this is the show I was supposed to go to. February first, two thousand three, Finch from Autumn to Ashes and Steel Train. January thirty first, two thousand three, My Birthday. Coheed and Cambria, Hopes Fall, One Line Drawing, wow. Code 7. November 30th, 2002, Stone Sour. Uh, November 24th, 2002, The Vines. I, I feel like I've heard of that. Yeah, they were like, I think they were like one of those bands like The Struts and mm. like that sort of like skinny tie uh, rebirth. Wow, this is some website. Oh, wait, I don't know what that is. 
You're giving me like uh, flashback memories. That's like my, that was the height of my musical career was being on those bills with like, there was the known band uh-huh. and then there was us. <laughs> this even has the set list. That's pretty crazy. What a, what an archive this is. Concertarchives.com. Um, let's see what else. <clears throat> November two, November 8th, 02, Guar. Oh, Guar with the with the costumes. Uh-huh. October nineteenth, two thousand two. Mustard plug. I used to listen to them. Hoobastank. River City Rebels. October twelfth, two thousand two. Coheed and Cambria. Andrew W K. Oh wow. He uh, oh Coheed again. Chevelle Guar H two O. Um. Typo Negative, Tiger Army, Dropkick Murphy, Seven Dust, Drowning Pool, Fishbone. I know that name. Is yeah. that a ska band? Yeah, like fish, um, like heavy rock, uh, you know, sort of like a Red Hot Chili Peppers, but before the Red Hot Chili Peppers became mm. like um, like a pop band. May 12, 2001, MXPX and Good Charlotte. I mean, Good Charlotte was one of the biggest acts of that mm-hmm. that time period. January 26, 2001. You're not going to guess this one. Rat. Oh, God. Bad Religion. Lamb of God with Guar. Catch-22. Poison. Kitty. Wow. Kitty's an all-female metal band. Goldfinger. Anthrax. Slipknot. Biohazard. Dokken. Great White. Oh, my God. What a show. Dokken, Great White, Jester, and Midnight Angel. That was the oldies night in 1999. 99. Wow. Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. I like Joan Jett. Quiet Riot. System of a Down. January 21st, 1999. That must have been the show I was uh, looking at. They also played there October 17th, 1998. Dream Theater. Anthrax. Clutch. Slayer. And System of a Down. What a show. Whoa. January 14th, 1998. What's the set list? Clutch was the headliner. Really? Yeah. Oh, and System of a Down was was mid-bill over Slayer. Uh, Let's see. Clutch. Impetus, Eight Times Over, Miss October, Wishbone, Escape from Prison Planet. Love that song. A Shogun Named Marcus, Rats, Elephant Riders, The Soap Makers. Oh, you know what? I guess... No, Slayer is the headliner. Um, um, they they list it in like uh, the openers first. Yeah, usually it's the other way around, isn't it? Yeah, I guess like when it's a festival, they put them at the top. Um, yeah, because I was I'm like looking, I'm like, oh, Slayer played eighteen songs. Yeah, we used to play like six songs sometimes. <laughs> Cottonmouth Kings, Biohazard, and Earth Crisis, another hardcore <coughs> band. Yeah. Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Dream Theater. Weezer. Weezer. One of my guilty pleasure bands. 1996. Deftones. Joan Jett played there a lot. Biohazard Overkill. Jersey Thrash Band. Yeah. Joan Jett again. Buffalo Tom. I don't recognize that. Anthrax with Life of Agony and uh, Deftones as the headliner. Overkill again. Joan Jett again. Is she from Jersey? I don't think so. I she's from the Runaways, so I think they were a California band. Wow, that's 1988. February 12th, 1988, Joan Jett and the Blackguards. She had a couple of hits in let's see what year was that? Um I Love Rock and Roll and she redid the Tommy James and the Shondells Crimson and Clover. That must have been Oh, is that the same as Jimmy Eat World's Crimson and Clover? Crimson and Clover, over and over. Yeah, same lyrics, yeah. but they totally changed the. <clears throat> um, let's see what year? At least the that? chorus. I don't know about yeah. that. Yeah, that must no. That was like the early eighties. That was like eighty. I'm trying to man, it's hard to remember. Like eighty two, I want to say. I love rock and roll. But yeah, there's a um, there was a lot of like little clubs in this this area specifically that you know had a lot of big big name bands come through. Even um, Starland, I mean, they still have yeah. pretty big acts. Not you know, obviously they're not stadium acts, <clears throat> but 
big name bands. Uh, Hunka Bunka was another one that I think. I think Hunka Bunka became Starland Ballroom. What's up? Shore Pro Painting is on the set. Yeah, you want to jump in for a couple minutes? You don't have to. Okay. <laughs> We're just talking about, I don't know how, we got onto Starland Ballroom. Um, let's see. Hunka Bunka. Hunka Bunka Club became one of Central Jersey's premier right. concert venues. Building was originally known as the Journey Mill Inn, a local bar with a banquet hall. It was originally known as the Hunkabunka Ballroom and then Willie's. Uh, it has operated as a dance music club, but more often hosted concerts with primarily metal, punk, and ska lineups. I should say that. There's a lot of those kind of places that mm. played, you know, hardcore and punk and that kind of stuff, metal. Um... I wonder what kind of archive CBGB's keeps. Oh, God, I can only imagine. Here's noted performers at, at Starland. Against me, I'm not going to name them all. Uh, all That Remains, Amona Marth, Anthrax, As I Lay Dying, Alice in Chains, Atreyu. Wow. It's hard to skip any of these. Avenged Sevenfold, Bad Religion, Ben Folds, Billy Currington, uh, Black Label Society, Blink-182, Bo Burnham. Huh, I didn't know they do comedy. Bon Jovi, The Bouncing Souls, Brian Fallon, Bruce Springsteen, Buck Cherry, Bullet for My Valentine, Cannibal Corpse, Chester Bennington. I didn't know he did anything solo. Chris Brown, Collective Soul, Childish Gambino, Clutch, uh, DMC, Dashboard Confessional, Dirks Bentley, Disco Biscuits, Dockin', The Doobie Brothers, Dropkick Murphys, E-Town Concrete, Every Time I Die, Exodus, Fallout Boy, Finger Eleven, From Autumn to Ashes, Garbage, The Get Up Kids, God Forbid, Gogol Bordello, <laughs> I don't know them. American punk rock band from the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Never heard of them. Good Charlotte, Green Day, Greta Van Fleet. Huh, I'm surprised they played there. Maybe before they kind of got big. Uh, Guar, Him, Hanson. Oh, geez. Hate Breed, Hollywood Undead, Iced Earth, Jackal, Jimmy Eat World, Johnny Maestro on the Brooklyn Bridge, Justin Timberlake, Casey Musgraves. That sounds familiar. Uh, Knocked Loose. Kill switch, engage, uh, Kill switch Engage, Knock Loose, LA Guns, Lamb of God, Lifehouse, Mastodon, Megadeth, Metallica, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, Misfits, Modest Mouse, Motionless and White, Motorhead, My Chemical Romance, Nelly Furtado, The New York Dolls. Wow, cool. The Offspring, Overkill, Papa Roach, Paramore, Parkway Drive, Parliament Funkadelic, Peaches and Herb? Yeah, Never Peaches and Herb. Um, can't think of the song, but they had one or two like disco hits that you would know. Peaches and Herb is an American vocal duo. Herb fame has remained a constant as Herb since the duo was created in 1966. Seven different women have filled the role of Peaches. <laughs> Most notably, Francine Edna. That's where it cuts off. Uh, Puddle of Mud, Queen's Rice, Real Big Fish, Rob Zombie, Saves the Day, See There, Seven Dust, Skid Row, Skillet, yeah. Social Distortion, Stained. Streetlight Manifesto, Sum 41, Testament, Thin Lizzy, Third Eye Blind, oh, Three I Days Grace, Thursday, Trace Atkins. Seems like a strange act there. Yeah. Trivium, Twisted Sister, Velvet Underground, Volbeat, Warrant Wasp, Wu-Tang Clan, Ingve Malmsteen, yeah. and Ziggy Marley. I feel like Jersey's got a pretty, um, the history is pretty steeped in tradition. Yeah, like Stone Pony. Um, I mean, that was like a, a renowned place that even like people from New York wanted to go play in Jersey. Yeah, let's see what they got to say about that. Uh, of course I didn't. The page of the Stone Pony does not exist. Oh, okay, then why do you give me a link for one called the Stone Pony? Uh, music venue in Asbury Park, New Jersey, known for launching the careers of many New Jersey music legends, including Bruce Springsteen, John Bon Jovi, and Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes, opened in 1973. I thought it was around for longer than that. Me too. Prior to becoming a music venue, the building housed a restaurant named Mrs. J's, huh. later named Mrs. J's Beer Garden, that was frequented by a polyglot. <laughs> How's that? 
I think that's like a group that's like very varied. Okay. It says citation needed right next to it. Community of tourists, high school and college students, and bikers. Citation needed. During the mid-1960s, Mrs. J's management began to allow bands to perform after the restaurant and beer garden went out of business in 1968, allegedly over a waitress wearing a see-through blouse. Mrs. J's moved two doors south and reopened a short time thereafter. A polyglot is knowing or using several languages. Hmm. Sounds like a misuse of the word. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Um... <clears throat> Wow, this doesn't give like a a um doesn't give you a rundown. Yeah. Too many probably. A visit to the Stone Pony has been considered a pilgrimage to rock and roll fans around the world. It is a place that is important not just to us but to the world. New Jersey Governor Christy Todd Whitman said as she officially reopened the club on Memorial Day weekend two thousand. I think the first time I played there was in nineteen eighty nine. Wow. How old were you? Uh, depends on what time of year. I might yeah. not even been born. Yeah, because you were born at the end of the year. I don't think you uh, were the, born. Well, at the beginning. Uh, yeah, the, oh, okay, that's right. January. Yeah. Jacqueline's coming by at 9.30 or 10. Okay. I was going to say, we got to ask her to come on the show. Yeah. We got to get a, a female voice. Yeah, yeah. We'll get the interior designer side of all of our gripes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, be interesting to hear what she complains about. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I was going to say, Christy Todd Whitman, it's funny that comes up. I heard on the radio yesterday, her and Andrew Yang, um, who you might remember from the presidential yeah. um, race of 20... Universal income and yeah, Andrew I don't, Yang. I don't, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, UBI, universal basic income. I don't remember if it was the last one or the one... Prior, I think it might, it must have been 2020. Is that when it was? I think 20? it was. He was he was debating with Trump, wasn't he? In the in the first one or the no? Because he he oh, uh, oh. was a Democrat. I thought oh. Andrew Yang. Anyway, he and Christy Todd Whitman, who's a governor, ex governor of New Jersey, like throughout my childhood, um, before Chris. Uh, actually, before Chris Christie, there was, uh, do you remember the guy before? Big scandal. Turned out, you know, he had like a family, but then he was like gay. And he oh, was like yeah, yeah, yeah. on the turnpike, like in yeah. the glory holes or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what the hell was his name? Oh, man. Oh, NJ Governors. It's one of those that's going to. Yeah, I, I didn't live in Jersey at the time. McGreevy. Yeah. McGreevy. Oh, and Corzine. I forgot about Corzine in between there. Um, but yeah, they started a new, um, come on, a new party called the Forward Party. Um, let's see. Andrew Yang, Christy Todd Whitman move quote-unquote, forward with third party. A group of ex-Republicans and Democrats have a, has announced the formation of a third party, the latest effort to break the duopoly that has dominated American politics for more than a century, co-chaired by former Democratic presidential and New York mayoral candidate Andrew Yang and former Republican New Jersey Governor Christy Todd Whitman. The forward party is pitching itself as an alternative for centrists dissatisfied with the state of two major parties. Well, I'm dissatisfied with two major parties. <laughs> I think it's the common consensus. It's crazy. Can I be dissatisfied with a third? Come on. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know it's going to be like, may I have another, sir? <laughs> Let's see. Give us some. Uh, what are their bullet points? Yeah, they were talking about it a little bit on the radio. This is actually it's from the New York Post. Um Steering away from far fringes of the left and right to find the common ground. That approach can solve almost every problem. Really, anyone who's willing to work together to solve problems fits in the forward party. Yang told Reuters that the party is starting in a very strong financial position with a budget of around $5 million. Financial support will not be a problem, he promised. It all sounds good on paper. 
Yeah. They just give some bullet points as to here we go. This is NPR, which is a little bit of a yeah. more uh, legitimate news then, source than, than the, the New York Post. <laughs> Come on, uh, page three. Um, back in Canyons right now. Blah blah blah. This is like a transcript of an interview. Uh, anyway, I just thought I'd bring it up because the that's name, curious. The name I came up. I'd love to see something happen you know where the extremes are sort of um challenged yeah i think christy todd whitman was a pretty well received um governor i don't i don't really remember i was i was young but um 50th governor of new jersey 1994 to 2001 so she had a pretty good run yeah that was before my time moved here and uh you know been here for uh 21 years now mm -hmm. moved here july 4th weekend 2002 wow a long time here we go they, they got their own wikipedia now forward party really also known simply as forward fwd a centrist political party in the united states Forward has two political party affiliates at the state level that have achieved ballot access um Mergers, political cabinets, original platform included instituting 18-year term limits for members of Congress. For it. <laughs> it also sought to establish a new cabinet-level Department of Technology. For, for it. it. The party supported civic juries and advocated for a citizen's portal. Uh, not sure what that is. Party supported data as a property right. Uh, not sure how I feel about that. Don't know either way. Party called for an economy based on, quote-unquote, human-centered capitalism. For it. The enactment of universal basic income. I think I'm for it. And support for alternative forms of measuring economic progress. Party advocated for automatic tax filing. For it, Ford's former platform supported the implementation of a universal health care system. For yeah, it. we like that. <laughs> and it encouraged states to adopt nonpartisan primaries. For it. And implemented ranked choice voting. For it. Concept Yang draws from political theorist and businesswoman Catherine Gale called Final Five Voting. Ranked choice, if you don't know, is... Um, I forget how many choices you get. I think it's three. That I don't know. I just know the, the end result is, you know, whoever gets the most. It's almost, yeah, like uh, a lot of times there's, it's almost like a playoff. Right. Um, so, like, you, you vote and you get to vote for three people. So it's, uh, it's me, Rob, and Lou. And you... Uh, well, yeah, I guess usually there's more. Than yeah, if you get to pick three, there's, there's say there's eight eight people. You pick, you know, your first choice, your second choice, your third choice, and um, I think it's anyone who doesn't get at least twenty percent of the vote is knocked out. They're out. Yeah. So it could be people from the same party going against each other in the end. Yep. Parties. It's just the most popular people go in the runoffs. Yeah. Um. Let's see if they have a. Um, here we go. Alaska 2022 president. In 2020, Alaska elections voters approved measure two, ranked choice voting for state and federal, including presidential elections. It replaces party primaries with a single nonpartisan blanket primary. So the top four candidates advance to a general election. However, presidential primaries continue to be partisan. It's kind of um, a blanket term for a lot. It's not one definitive way to mm. do it, but. You know, like, it makes people feel like they're not wasting a vote. You can yeah. vote for the person that you want without saying, well, you know, this person's not going to win, so I shouldn't vote for them because it's going to be a waste of a vote, um, which is a big, you know, big issue. I want to see some defectors. That's when I'll know that the forward party is uh, something to be uh, reckoned with. Yeah. Like from both parties, like the Democrats and the, uh, Republicans. I'd love to see people like going, yeah, I'm, I'm not in touch with this party anymore. I'm going to join this party. And right. That'd be cool. Also proposed independent redistrict redistricting commissions. I'm definitely for that. Yeah. The gerrymandering is like insane. Yeah. And public finance reform in the form of democracy dollars, which I'm pretty sure is, um, 
you know, they want to give each person in the U.S. Um, these quote unquote democracy dollars that they can then donate to the right. political. So I'm for anything that has to do with taking money out of the pockets of the people with the money. Well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> except, except my money, damn it. Don't touch my money. Yeah. But I mean, in the political process, it's, it's definitely, Oh you yeah. Know, it's a huge, huge issue. And you know, I don't donate to any political campaigns. No. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's a war of attrition, these primaries. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have the biggest war chest, you're never going to make it for the year and a half right. that it takes to, to wage one of these campaigns. Yeah. You know, so you can effectively buy your success. Exactly. Yeah. Whoever spends the most is the last person standing. Yep. Um, anyway. Hitting a lot of political uh, stuff lately. Um, oh, wow. We we jumped up over an hour real quick. Yeah, it was all that reminiscing about rock, good old rock and roll. Yeah. Well, that's all we got this week. Yeah, and uh, support your local musicians out there. And uh, um, uh, let me give you a shameless plug. Support me. <laughs> <laughs> Go to, go to, I think, I think it's the name first on Bandcamp. Is it, it's robertbarone.bandcamp. Let me check. Yeah, check it out. Let me know what you think. Um, well, you know, it's not, it's, it's not super low quality, but it was all done for free with GarageBand. Yeah, it's Robert Barone, R-O-B-E-R-T-B-A-R-O-N-E dot B-A-N-D-C-A-M-P dot. But I play all the instruments and do all the, all the tracks are me. Uh, you know, like the stuff that's horns, drums, you know, it's all programmed. Give you a little taste. It's called uh, Evil That Men Do. Yep. <laughs> you, you might get a little picture of it. My, my, my leanings. <laughs> oh, you got one with Kelly on here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, miss her. That's all we're going to give you because you got to go out and check it out. Yeah. Oh, well, How do you turn again. it off? It's, yeah, it started playing again. It's an AI. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, that's it. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, take care, everybody. As always, Rob and I thank you for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. If you want to help support the podcast, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Again, we appreciate your support. Thanks for tuning in.